here. Welcome to another episode of Chingona, a podcast about women who inspire with their heart and their hustle. Earlier this year, Karen and I interviewed Gabrielle Bryant. And if you listened to our season two teaser episode, you heard a little bit about her. She's a leader, a mom, a journalist, and just a mover and shaker in the community here in Denver. So we talked about branding, journalism, fashion. We spoke a bit about Oprah and Beyonce and how Gabrielle herself manages to pack so much hustle into a 24-hour day. Now, when Gabrielle showed up to record this interview, she walked into my apartment with her camera and tripod in tow to record the interview for herself. She was wearing a very cool version of a Canadian tuxedo with a gold shirt underneath, and I think Converse. She was cracking jokes and just had the most welcoming presence, and immediately I was like, I want to be her friend. And I know I say that about a lot of the women we interview, but by now you should have figured out that we on Chingona like to surround ourselves with badass ladies. So my name is Gabrielle Bryant. I do lots of different things. I am the president of the Colorado Association of Black Journalists. Um, I'm also an independent video producer and I have a company called Gabby's World Media. And essentially um, I work on nonprofit videos. I produce videos for a law enforcement agency and just kind of whatever video projects are happening. I also write uh, freelance content for um, a couple of newspapers and online publications so I'm kind of just like all things video all things media in Denver I feel like yeah yeah that's why I wanted to interview you especially when you gave that talk at the conference that I yeah like, I wow. about that. you're like a one woman just like brand explosion <laughs> yeah, it's a lot it's a lot of stuff going on but um Hey, this is Karen. Uh, I met Gabby at a conference at the University of Colorado in Boulder. She was one of the speakers at this conference for journalists on how journalists can increase community engagement. And Gabby fascinated me because she was so well put together and so eloquent, and she gave a really powerful, powerful talk at the conference about how she is um, a Denver resident, really active in Five Points um, community organizations, and she uses being active in the community to do her journalism, to find stories. And again, I just thought that was mind-blowing because I've always done it the other way around. I learned about a place by being a journalist, and then sometimes I join up with the organizations that I write about or get involved in some way if I think it won't conflict. Uh, And she was just really pushing us to be humans first, which I thought was really interesting. I always knew I would be a journalist. I always thought I would be a news anchor, though. Like, I thought I would be on CNN is what I thought I would be doing right now, which doesn't really interest me right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I remember, like, I had a couple moments of inspiration when I was younger, um, like, being on the cover of USA Today for something random, and I was like, wow. um, 
Dan Rather came to my elementary school in fifth grade. And at the time I was like doing color guard. So I got to escort him around the school. Ooh. And so I was like on national news. I had like all my friends like, oh my gosh, I saw you like on TV. And like, so initially I was attracted to the attention and I didn't really realize mm-hmm. that that was going to translate into journalism. But I always had a love for writing and for speaking in front of people. And I never had that fear that a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always knew I wanted to film. My mom bought me a like a video camera in like high school, so I documented like my entire like senior year of high school, and I just always was into that. Um, so I just knew it was something that I was gonna do. I don't have anything, nothing super philosophical about it. But right. as I got older, I realized the power that journalism and media has, and so that's what I'm really in love with. Mm-hmm. Great part. You're gonna say it like Dan Rather pointed at you. You, (laughs) you are the chosen one. (laughs) Been knighted. That would have been cool. No. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit? I'm so curious about so many things. Um, But can you talk a little bit about how you um, built your own brand? Because I see you on Instagram all the time, just like hustling. (laughs) Um. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I feel like I picked up and monitored a lot of other people's social media for a while. And I didn't like I was on the late train to joining Facebook. Like I feel like I don't know when people were joining Facebook. Like I don't think I got mine until like 2010 or 2009. Do you guys remember when you got yours? It would actually probably was around there because I was like a. It's about 2012 for me. I was a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hung on to MySpace for a while. I yeah, was like, me too. Social media. Yeah. You were? <laughs> yeah, I remember being in college, like, one of my journalism classes and one of my friends being like, you should get Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's lame. Um, but I felt like I was late to the game. Um, but once I realized, um, and in my journalism classes, we talked a lot about um, the power of social media when it was just starting to become a thing, when Twitter was just starting to pop. Um, and so I realized that there's so much power in that and so I just like to document everything that I do and I like taking pictures and um doing that type of stuff anyway and so a lot of what I've done is literally like watching the cool brands that have been successful like other journalists that I follow or um, media producers um and just kind of seeing what they've done and just like oh okay I can do that too Good, thank you. Good. Um, so let me just jump right into this. I don't want to take up okay. too much of your time. So, uh, we, you talked a little, like, Karen asked about, um, like, branding and, because uh, she was talking about, like, kind of your social media hustle and how she sees you everywhere. And you said that, you were just the way you kind of learned is looking at what other kind of social media moguls people who work on social media do and could you give some examples of what yourself and other journalists or professionals who also work on social media have done to help them become successful (laughs) um oh let's see well 
I try to, um, I essentially take my camera with me everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And I even have gotten to the point where I take like my professional Canon uh, camera out with me. Like I'll take my tripod and like set up a timer and like literally take my own photos because I don't have a photographer. Mm-hmm. And so that I make sure that anything that I'm involved in, which I'm doing lots of activities, that I'm always documenting them no matter what. Um, and just have always felt like I've been on top of that. Um, and just try to do my best to um, just like document the journey. And then I also, um, let's see, I'm trying to think. I mean, that, I think that's the main thing, especially like what's on Instagram as well. Like I have a pretty decent following on there a lot of my followers on facebook are like mainly my friends and family but on instagram it's a lot of people that i don't necessarily know Mm -hmm. so with that i make sure i'm um, definitely adding relevant hashtags i know that the hashtags are the name of the game on instagram and then for twitter um although i'm not as active i've been finding myself recently um just like speaking out um or adding my voice to conversations um that I feel like are relevant to me and just kind of, you know, just being myself on, on social media. And so I feel like the people that do really well are just themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of um, brings up my next question. So your, your social media persona per se, is that how, is that any different than your IRL personality? It's pretty, they're pretty much the same. I mean, for the most part, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're pretty similar. A lot of what I do on social media is just, like, focus on the professional things that I do. And it's weird, like, a couple times on Instagram or even on Facebook, I have, like, started posting pictures of my daughters and I. Mm -hmm. And those seem to get... um, a lot of likes and just um, a lot of attention, which I normally keep them out. And of course that's like the biggest part of my life is my kids and being a mom. And so, I mean, it's definitely real life because it's the things that I'm doing on a daily basis, but I try to keep my family and stuff out of it. But when I do bring them into it, I feel like people would to see that side of me. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like they're that different actually. Okay. And so what are, what, advice would you give to people that are trying to do what you do trying to build their own brand and kind of become the a a leader in the community or a mover and shaker in the community um I just would say to always pursue your passion and to be authentic I think Um, a lot of times, like, because of the world we're in with social media, you can get very discouraged. Um, and even I've had to do this, like, unfollow people that, um, even though I'm sure they're doing really well sometimes, like, seeing them and feeling like I'm not in that space, Mm -hmm. um, it has, like, made me feel insecure. So what I try to do is just to focus on the things and, um, focus on the things that I'm super passionate about and just pursue those things. And once you're doing that consistently, then opportunities will come to you. And so, for example, um, I was just doing my thing, like, you know, producing a show, recruiting um, guests for one of the shows that I produced for PBS. And that's how someone in the community saw me who was looking for 
to recruit a president of the organization that I run, which is the Colorado Association of Black Journalists. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, was able to come to that opportunity by just simply doing what I do, no matter. And so I think that's what it is. So like, it's being authentic, like being who you are and continuing to do your best in every situation, you know, because you never know who's watching you. Um, Right. And then I think like, it's also like, of course, it's being yourself, but I think it's, living for and working for you know not just for yourself but you know to tap into um the needs of the people around you and I feel like I've been able to do that and that has always brought me good and it helps me I mean I feel like I've been able to help people because of that Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question (laughs) yeah it was great (laughs) so you are the president of the Colorado Association of Black Journalists Mm -hmm. How how did you become president, and, like, what is it like leading in a large organization like that? Um, well, thanks for asking. Um, so let me just kind of give a little bit of background. So the yes, Colorado please. Association of Black Journalists has um, been around for, we just celebrated our 30th year, um, and it's an institution in Colorado among black journalists. And so it's an honor, first of all, to be able to serve as president. I've been president since 2014. Um, my uh, last year of my term is this year, so we'll see what people want after that. Um, but that actually came also through a relationship that I had with the former president. And we just, um, you know, kind of talked about, it was like almost a transitional, you know, like an interim type uh, space where, hey, I need you to take over this organization for me. So it was actually kind of easier than maybe it sounds like it would be. Um, you didn't have to like punch people out. No, like, <laughs> I didn't have to like run an aggressive campaign or anything like that. And honestly, it's it's a nonprofit organization that's all volunteer based. So to get someone to want to step up and lead that isn't like an easy thing. So it's not like, you know, people are like banging the door down to do that. But I happen to be in the right place at the right time and had a great relationship with the former president. Her name is Gloria Neal. She's a, a news anchor uh, here in uh, Colorado. So it... <clears throat> It kind of came easier than I would have, you know, expected it to be. But um, it's interesting to be in this space where journalism is becoming so many different things. And, you know, there's I'm always, you know, trying to remind my folks like we always have to maintain that that ethics in journalism and the seriousness or um, the integrity of the craft, but also open up our minds to. Um, you know, embrace like podcasters and, um, you know, people who are doing different forms of media. So I've been able to try to navigate that. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like it's a, it's a complete honor and I'm always surprised when people show up to the meetings and show up to the events. I'm like, oh, you guys are actually paying attention to what we're doing. <laughs> we host a, um, an annual gala and fundraiser every year where we raise money for scholarships and um, we had a really great event. Our last one was in September. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I feel like the community really supports us. And it's an historic organization that has a lot of clout in the community. So I feel honored to do that. When you're a leader of an organization like the Colorado Association of Black Journalists, something that I wonder is, like, how do you resolve conflict? Like, if person A is saying, like, I want this. Person B is saying, no, it should be like this. And you're you know, it's up to you, like, do you have a philosophy where you kind of use to, to, to resolve those kinds of things? Um, I mean, I try to approach conflict the way I would in my personal life, which is, like, hearing 
both sides or hearing everyone's side of this situation and um, always, you know, knowing that the organization was created and intended for a certain purpose. So as long as what we're doing um, is, you know, meeting with that, then I feel it's fine. I have <clears throat> a really supportive board. Um, my treasurer, uh, Corey Thurman, and um, my communications officer, Galila Gebra McKell, they're super awesome and super supportive. And, you know, like when it comes to putting together events, we always have a healthy debate. And sometimes it's just like, you know, we have like conversations where it's like, that that doesn't really make sense to me but I can totally see why you think that and let's not let my philosophy about life shape everything so I really want to be as inclusive as possible um I chose board members or a cabinet that um can really think for themselves and uh wants to innovate ideas because I don't want to be running an organization where all the ideas are mine Mm-hmm. because then the organization I don't think is as effective as it could be and it's not as impactful or powerful. So I like to keep people around me who are smarter than me so that, you know, we're all better. Since becoming president of CABJ, Gabrielle said she's become more conscious of how she is perceived in the community and the interaction she has with people. And sometimes that means keeping her introverted tendencies at bay. Which I'm a super introvert. And so I have to like shut that down mm-hmm. and present myself as you know as friendly as possible and you know wanting to connect with people and um and so I've opened up a lot more than what I was and I feel like I'm a little more polished mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> man I can relate so much to being like a secret introvert but like your job requires you to be an extrovert <laughs> it's so weird that people are looking at you like you're an introvert yeah. like yeah I don't like so like for social situations and right. you have Bingling. to go, exactly like we have to go to a lot of you know like award dinners and you know like networking events and you know by the end of that I'm like super drained but anyway. yeah yeah, I, I feel like I can't, unless I'm working, like, I can't do it. Like, mm-hmm. you just want me to go up and talk to strangers without a purpose, but I, <laughs> yeah, can you provide some questions I should ask them? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I feel like that's an awkward, that's, like, a really awkward thing about being an adult that I didn't, I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for. Like, nobody prepares you for networking events. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a class? Can we, like, do a class on that? Like, if yeah. there was a class, I would take it. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a necessary thing that you have to do. Um, and, of course, like, social media changes that for us sometimes because you're just so used to seeing people, like, in, on online, and then you have to, like, actually meet them and talk to them, and that just can be kind of weird. I don't know. Right. Um, but, yeah. It's like, I really like that cat gif that you posted <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> Do you ever feel weird and kind of awkward when you meet someone in person that yeah. you've seen on social media and then you like, like, oh, you've been to Hawaii. Like, sounds like you've been having a great time. Like, it's awkward. Like, so you're kind of stalking me, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get ins- inspiration from one of my friends who was my first roommate in college um, because she unashamedly stalked me on on social media i love that like our first phone call she's like hello i'm lani you're karen i really liked your costa rica photos and i was just like who is this woman awkward yeah like, oh, okay but so funny she's like the yin to my yang she's totally extroverted yeah. and i'm totally introverted yeah sometimes those people always like connect with each other yeah, yeah. so kind of at what point 
in your career or in, in your life, did you, did you see, uh, how do I phrase this? Did you start to feel like a, a leader, um, being the introvert that you are? I feel like that type of personality is not necessarily associated with being like the leader. It's usually like that, uh-huh. you know, outgoing, charismatic person. So like at what point in your, in your life did you start to feel that? Well, honestly, like, growing up when I was a kid, so my mom is, like, I wouldn't say she's religious, but she's into church. And, like, one of the concepts that she would also, like, always, like, recite to my little sister and I was to, um, that we're leaders and not followers, which Mm -hmm. is a principle of the Bible. And so she always told me that. So I always had that in my head and everything that I did. And even though I didn't realize that that's what was happening, like, that was always playing into my head. So I was never afraid to, you know, like, even when I was a little kid, like, raising my hand to ask questions that I knew that my classmates wanted to ask but were too afraid. Um, And I even remember, this is kind of off topic, but um, there was, like, a fifth, like, I don't know, it's like a high school psychology class that I had, and everybody had to say what we liked about our classmates, and somebody, you know, brought that up, like, I really like how you're not afraid to ask questions, um, and I didn't really see that as being a leader, it just who I, it just was who I was, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like when pe- other people noticed that, like, would bring that out, or would mention that I was a leader, or put me in leadership positions, is when I started to realize that that's, who I was Mm -hmm. um and so to me it was like I always felt like a leader or I always had leadership qualities and I wasn't afraid to um put those out there um so the fact that I'm an introvert is more it's not it's not like I'm not like the I guess the traditional or like the stereotypical introvert where um so basically (laughs) like my professional life is like kind of a persona, right? Where in order for me to do my job, I have to talk to people. And like, that's just a part of what I do. I have to speak to people. But, and so that's when I'm professional, like that's just a different side of me. So like I go to events, you know, I talk to people, I make conversation. Um, But when I'm partying, like when I'm chilling, it's just me and my friends or usually me by myself because I like to hang out by myself. I'm not going to be the one that's doing the talking. I'm just, like, chilling. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I have anxiety about, like, talking to people, which is why, like, when I go to, like, social events, like, I bring my camera. Like, a part of it is because I'm documenting my process, but the other part of it is, like, I take pictures of people because that's the way that I can, that's the way that I can make conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, basically, to answer your question, I guess, in a more succinct way, um, I always knew I was a leader, um, but I realized that for the work that I do and for me to make connections, I have to, you know, I have like that professional side of me where I have to talk to people and people gravitate toward me and they want to speak to me. So that's the other thing, because I don't want people to walk away and be like, oh, she has an attitude or she's rude. So I just kind of set aside the anxiety I feel um, and then, you know, just kind of give of myself but just know that when I get home like I don't want to talk to anybody (laughs) like I'm just like super quiet I'm like okay guys I'm done like I I don't want to talk like I don't yeah I just want to be by myself so Mm -hmm. I feel that I relate to that very strongly (laughs) (laughs) um and then so kind of on a 
similar note, how did becoming a mom kind of change or did becoming a mom change change anything? Mm, could you be a little more specific? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm I'm trying to make sense of my notes here. <laughs> um, uh, I guess it was more um, like, did becoming a mom change like the the way you think of your yourself as a leader, or, or did it? Um, is that in is, is that integrated in anywhere? Are those two things connected for you? Um, I'd say they are. Like, I'm always thinking about, like, what my kids think of me. Um, like, I always tell people, (laughs) and this is, like, awkward, but, like, if I didn't have kids, like, I would have been somewhere, like, in L.A., like, possibly stripping. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd be just doing whatever. Like, I don't think I would have the passion um for life that I have I don't don't think I'd have like the passion to um you know help other people and to just want to be a good person like I think having them and I had them when I was super young like my first daughter I had when I was 20 and I was in college and my second daughter I had when I was in college again and I was 23 and so I pretty much I'd kind of say like I was a teen mom even though I wasn't officially a teenager um, I just always felt like I had to make good choices. And now it's like, it's weird. Cause my kids will be like, I don't know, sometimes like I have an Emmy, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have it sitting in like above the fireplace at my apartment. And sometimes my kid will just be like, mom, you have an Emmy. Like you're famous. <laughs> and I'm just like, mm, not so much. <laughs> um, but it's just, like, small, like, moments like that um, just remind me that they're watching me. And I hope that them seeing what I do will make them, like, want to just be super amazing and super dope, you know. And they also, like, see the bad choices and stuff that I made. And I hope that they, you know, want to not do that. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I don't know. Is, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. And so, like, another thing that most of my friends were all, like, 20-somethings kind of trying to to figure it out. And um, I, I personal, personal believe that we're, we're all doing really well in our careers. We're doing really well in our lives. But, like, we do have those days where one of us is just, like, I feel like a huge failure and I suck at my job and I don't know what I'm doing. And you kind of, like, we get that imposter syndrome and so my question is do you still get that and how do you deal with it (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely like I kind of feel like that right now actually um I usually I don't know I feel like that right now I feel like I'm not necessarily where I want to be but then I'm reminded like I'm not, like, I am actually doing well-ish. Like, I'm, you know, working toward my dreams. And I actually, you know, I have a friend that whenever, you know, I call her and I complain about 
how my life sucks or I like literally suck as a mom or I feel like I'm not doing anything in my career. Like she's always there to be like, girl, you're dope. Like you're doing well. Like everything's going to be okay. Like everything happens for a reason. Like I just try to surround myself with people who are also positive, who can give me what I give to them when they're not feeling good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important to have like a group of people who like genuinely love you, who, you know, can tell you when you're messing up and when you do suck, but can also like, you know, tell you when, you know, remind you that you're doing a good job. And so, I mean, I think that definitely happens to me. That imposter syndrome happens to me a lot. And like I said, I kind of feel like that right now. But then on the other side of it, it's like, you know, a year ago, I was in like a really weird place with work. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I quit my job because I was like just not happy. And now I'm surviving off of like my own business. Mm-hmm. And so I don't suck that bad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It sounds like you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so maybe this is kind of like a, a departure, but I am always so impressed by your sense of style. Oh, thank you. I was telling, <laughs> I was telling our, our listeners last weekend um, that, like, when I met you at that conference, you had like creeper loafers that I was a little bit obsessed with. <laughs> I'm like, what did I have on? I forgot. You looked amazing. And well, you, thank you. You look amazing today. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, because I don't feel like it. So oh, thank no, you. you look gorgeous. <laughs> just throw this stuff together, but yeah. Um, you know, and so I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about, like, your sense of style or, or, or you know, your beauty routine? Um, oh, yes. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I was afraid you'd be more I don't like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only like, journalism what? questions. Like, what is wrong with you? Um... Well, that, so I haven't really had anybody ask me about that, but I usually wear the stuff that I feel like nobody else is going to wear, but like on purpose, like the stuff that other people won't touch is like the stuff that I'll wear. Like, for example, obviously I'm wearing this gold metallic shirt, which you guys can't see right now, but like I had for my birthday, which was New Year's Day, I went to like a New Year's Eve party and I had on like some gold metallic pants which was kind of weird it's like why are you wearing those like I showed him to my date for the night I'm like hey this is what I'm gonna wear and he's just kind of was like why would you wear that I don't get it like nobody understands so I kind of like to wear stuff that people won't understand or either kind of it's like almost in um a conversation starter Mm um I can't remember like do you remember what shoes I had on Oh, I, she kept describing them as creepers, but she, are you talking about those? Are they boots? I know they're like, they're like, they're, they were like, she, like, she doesn't understand. She, I don't think creepers. she told me about, do you know what creepers are? No. So it's like a, it's like a, a shoe that's, I think, predominantly worn by people in the punk rock community. Uh-huh. Um, they're like platforms. Oh, yes. They're those like, are my favorite like, shoes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love those shoes. So, okay, I get it. So How they're, would you describe them? Like, well, they're kind of, well, I remember like girls used to wear those kind of shoes like when I was in seventh grade. They're kind of like old sketcher style. They're like kind of like a sneaker, but there's like probably like a four inch like platform to them. Yes. And I love those shoes because I'm 5'2". So (laughs) like I feel so tall in them and they're just, you know, like I said, it's, I like to wear the conversation starters and things that like if I literally, if I see it and I'm like, 
hmm, that's kind of different. It's unique. Like, and I usually always like to find things that I could wear with multiple outfits too, because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of money, so I have to like try to stretch my stuff. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that plays into like the introvert piece as as like? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Your face like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, oh, is that why? Thank you. This is like a therapy session. Because you know what? I realized I also take my camera everywhere with me. And I take, like, just do event photography. Like, no one's hired me. I'm just, like, walking around taking pictures. But that helps me to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's just awkward. Mm-hmm. So Right. Yeah. So thank you for helping me <laughs> <Okay>. with that. <laughs> I'm glad you had a break. I know, it's just like, this is awesome. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Oh, I'm 33. Okay. It's my Jesus year. Your Jesus year? Yeah, Jesus died when he was 33. So either I'm going to die or do something really amazing this year, one or the other. My boyfriend's 33. Oh my God. I've been telling people not doing anything. I've amazing. been telling people that it's just like I say it to creep people out because it's kind of creepy. Yeah. But yeah, I never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a difficult question for you to answer, but like, what is it like being you? <laughs> like having all this hustle, having all this style, and just like, I don't know. Question. That is a great question. And can someone be you, specifically me? <laughs> Yes, I'm te- I'm teaching classes over the next couple months. Um, you know, thanks for asking that question. It makes me feel like honored that you would ask that. But it's 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 hard. My kids go to school like 35 minutes away from where I live, so I'm waking up super early, like pretty much wearing a onesie, taking them to the bus stop. Like, you know, then you know I'm going back home and you know, shooting emails, like doing social media, setting up interviews, like going to shoot interviews and I'm my own camera crew. And so like editing all day and like pitching stories. And then I also like actively volunteer in the community. I serve on, um, how many boards? I serve on three boards and I participate in church. So like I'm there on the weekends. And so it's just like a lot of activity, a lot of, you know, just running around back and forth like I'm like a taxi cab but then I'm like Oprah Winfrey sometimes and then I'm like you know trying to like feed the community so it's just like real crazy and just always stuff going on um I'm trying to settle down my life a little bit right now um but yeah so okay I have a thought but first it starts with Beyonce. Yes, <laughs> I love her. Gosh, are you guys following her on Instagram? Yes, and every time I like a photo, I see that you've already gotten yes. it first. Girl, <laughs> I might as well be getting notifications from her page. Because, like, as soon as her stuff comes, I'm like, yes. Her Grammy like, look. I oh, was, my gosh. I, I, I think I literally had to sit down to see her, her look for you the know, Grammy. You know, it's crazy. She and you know what? Like a twice divorced yeah. wife. Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> Daisy was just standing there like... But did you see the pictures of like like the little video of like uh, Blue? There's it's like she's sitting in between and she's just like telling her mom like settle down. I love her. She's just in her casual look. Her casual looks get me more than her glamour looks. Yeah, like I like her being casual. It's kind of cool. But anyway, Um, side note. No, I knew I knew you were Beyonce. But um, you know, like she used to do sort of like one type of music, and she wasn't super political like mm-hmm. an outspoken and then she came out with lemonade and did formation at the super bowl mm-hmm. what was that a year ago now mm-hmm. two, oh, years two years ago, ago. Two years yeah, ago. Two and years. everyone was like 
clutching their pearls and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so political. What happened? And I was, I was always just of the opinion, like, she had a kid, yeah. you know? Like, mm. um, do you think that you, your daughters kind of drive you to do these things because you want, like, to make the world better for them? Like, has it changed your outlook on community from before mm-hmm. you had your kids to now? That's a good question. A kind of leading questions. Like, this is my opinion about Beyonce. Do you agree or not? <laughs> Are you Beyonce? <laughs> um, what is the truth? <laughs> I guess I never really, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I mean, <clears throat> that's a good question. And, it, like, I like your thought process behind mm-hmm. it. But and we don't have kids, so we don't know. So. Right. Well, I think it's like. I mean, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That was a second. <laughs> I'm like, well, kind of. Because my thing is, like, I've experienced so many things in life, and I have friends from all walks of life and um, <clears throat> people who have experienced, like, so many different things. And the connections that I've had and, like, the, the bad things that I've seen, like, the bad parts of the world is what drives me to do work in the community. Mm. Because I don't think we get to talk about, like, the hard, hard things. Like, ever since Oprah's show ended, we don't get to talk about... (laughs) We don't get to talk about hard-hitting topics anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously. Like, the the heart-wrenching things that society doesn't want to talk about, we don't get to talk about those things, and so that's what I use my work for, and that's why I work in the community. I mean, you said you're a Denver native, and uh, when I met you, I went back and I read the piece in Denverite that you Mm -hmm. did, because I had read that before, and I thought, wow, that's, like, such a good way to do, like, a letter to the editor, an op-ed type of thing, and it was about the gentrification of five points. Mm -hmm. Um, So you bring some of your personal experiences into your writing, Um, and can you talk a little bit about what everything that's happening right now, and with five points and rhino and in denver oh gosh so gentrification in denver uh is interesting and you know sometimes heartbreaking to me just for those that don't know what is gentrification that's such a good question can we pull up google and then like start from there like i don't know the exact definition what is the exact definition i don't know but um the way gentrification or I guess it, you know, it all depends on how you look at it. Like the story that I wrote about was replaced, like an attempt to replace a culture through the development. Um, and really, I honestly think gentrification just means improvement. So, but it's got this like connotation now. There's a negative connotation to it, and you know, gentrification also happens differently in different areas. And in some interviews that I had done for a story that I had worked on outside of the Denverite piece, I produced this story um, about the Five Points business community, which pe- if people aren't familiar, <clears throat> Five Points was, it's Denver's only historical cultural district. It was once, the most popular aspect of it is that it's known as the Harlem of the West and um, was once occupied by a thriving black business and social scene um and it's where you know people would go and hang out because black people couldn't be downtown during this time period Mm -hmm. and so they would go hang out at the Rossellian and um at the building that's now Cervantes or there's a 
Club 715, like all these places that have been redone and revamped are, you know, that's a space that black people could occupy. And even I think there are stories of like Billie Holiday, you know, coming here and, you know, performing downtown, but not being able to stay downtown. And so she would have to stay, you know, in this area. So there's that history. Mm. It also was a space that um, uh, Jewish people and Italians used to occupy as well. But people don't talk about that aspect of the culture very much. Um, but gentrification, <clears throat> five points, like as it stands, there's still a lot of black ownership. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of black folks that still own businesses and own um, buildings in that space. But the neighborhood was dormant for probably like 20 years where there wasn't much being done with the space. And, you know, there's this history of, like I said, you know, in the 20s, 40s, like that area being amazing and beautiful and like lights and, you know, just kind of like a little black Hollywood kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then over time, it went through this, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that I'm skipping, but it eventually became a space where there were a lot of gang activity and drugs. And that moved a lot of people out the neighborhood, right? So, like, in the 70s, people were just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to move to a place where I can have a yard mm -hmm. and I can have open space. So a lot of black folks moved to, like, places like Montbello, Green Valley Ranch, like Aurora. And so that place became really dormant. And, you know, within the past 10 years or so, there was a huge effort and even grants were given by the city for people to start businesses. Mm -hmm. And so now if you go there, it's just a totally different neighborhood. I mean, <clears throat> you have, there's still like that remnant of like, I don't know if they're gang members, but they're wearing a lot of blue, just like hanging outside of the convenience store, like shooting dice, like just hanging out, like saying hello to the people, like possibly selling drugs. We mm -hmm. don't know. Um, and then you have like young white folks walking down the street, walking their dogs. And, you know, so it's just like a juxtaposition of these two different, um, these two different uh, eras in mm -hmm. five points. Um, but it's not like, you know, where you see in some areas where you know, development companies are coming in and or construction companies are coming in and moving people out. Mm -hmm. That's not happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. That is happening to a degree. And that is what I talked about in that Denver Wright article where... Because <clears throat> it's even like the name, even like yeah. changing the name. It's like, yeah, well, that happens. I mean, I don't know. I guess when you move to a new place and you feel like it's yours, you want to, you want it to reflect that. Mm -hmm. And I have an unpopular opinion about gentrification and five points and that is unfortunately the folks who owned the area the own the houses and the people who lived there for decades they couldn't afford to redevelop the space and so it, they just live there mm -hmm. and then so when some people who had another you were in another tax bracket came and said oh this is nice this is by a light rail station you can get downtown in 25 minutes like this is amazing there's nothing happening here let's bring our businesses here so it took another group of people to bring in <clears throat> all this new business and you know jumpstart the economy in the area and then now everybody's upset mm -hmm. but it's too late mm -hmm. there's nothing we could do about it mm -hmm. just make sure it doesn't happen in your neighborhood right. next yeah um and and you know, how do you sort of balance having an opinion about that and reporting about it? <clears throat> I feel like you're you're telling stories about five points that I'm not seeing in other places, but obviously you, you know, you're native Denver, you, you think things about it. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if this is, like, I, I keep 
try to keep my opinions out of the stories, but I find individuals who can help tell the story that I think is there. Mm-hmm. And then once I do that, I always find out like, oh, okay, that is true, but then there's another side to it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I try to be objective, as objective as I can, knowing the history and knowing the space and knowing that if I talk to certain people, they're going to say this. If I talk to someone else, they're going to say that. But as long as I can get both sides of the story, which I always try to do, then I feel like I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's tough. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of rough. But even when I went into the story that I was telling you about, we did a video segment on for a series that I used to produce called Street Level on Colorado Mm -hmm. Public Television. And, you know, we, I went into that story thinking one thing about gentrification, like thinking it's just like this horrible thing and these people are just like being kicked out and it's just like so horrible. I'm like, yes, that does happen. But at the same time, like there's this whole other aspect to the story and gentrification can be kind of good. And it's something that happens naturally and it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And so since we know that this is going to happen, then all we can do is, like, I don't feel like there's enough preparation done in certain communities to help them know about economics, to help them know, like, if somebody offers you this lump sum of money, don't sell your house. Because they're offering you this amount of money, which seems like a lot, but imagine how much it's really worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And not enough people are having those conversations. Yeah, that's a really good point. These are the types of evergreen, community-based stories that Gabrielle tackles, which require a lot of time, care, dedication, and a word we've said a lot to describe Gabby. Hustle. It takes an inordinate amount of hustle to do what she does, but that grind has come with some sacrifices over the years. I think I've sacrificed, um, I think I've sacrificed you know, like, intimate relationships with, you know, with guys, I think, because, you know, my job comes first. So I think I've sacrificed, like, personal relationships. I think I've sacrificed, like, time with my kids. Um, a lot, which I think I'm starting to see, like, you know, where I should have made different choices now. Because um, I feel like, yeah, I'm just like, I sacrifice a lot of personal relationships, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things that I kind of regret that I'm trying to fix right now. Um, because I spent a lot of time, like, especially within the last year, like, just doing what I could to make sure that, you know, my interviews were on point, you know, that I was at events that I needed to go to, um, and that I was really out there, but I just don't feel like... I don't know if it was all worth it, but yeah. Mm. So I definitely sacrificed personal relationships. Do you see yourself as a chingona? And if so, what chingonas um, influenced you in your life? I don't know if you know what chingona means. I'm like, can you tell me? I was like, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A chingona is basically just like, just like a badass woman. She's just like... Lots she, of confidence. Yeah, she just gets shit done, and she's just like headstrong. You know, she's just, you know, she's chingona. Like, <laughs> so, I like that. So yes, <laughs> I am. Um, and I'd say the people who have influenced me, I mean, we already talked about Oprah, who I think is super dope, and I've always, like, I've had the privilege of watching her since I was a kid. But 
the real person is like, I hate to be cliche, but it's my mommy. Yeah, everyone She's says that. So it's so awesome. sweet. <laughs> my mom is amazing. Oh my gosh. She is really amazing. And she's, she all, first, um, she's just turned 67 and she's currently in law school. She's oh, done wow. like interior design. She's worked in um, the tech community. She's done real estate. She's literally done everything. And she's just like not stopping. And she has grandkids and she's like manages to be loving and just like super dope. <clears throat> and so, and my older sister is a boss. Like all, like, you know, my family, I've had, you know, really dope chicks around me my whole life. And so I think that definitely has inspired me. What kind of law does your mom want to practice? <clears throat> she wants to practice criminal law. Oh, wow. Okay. Should be intense. Yes. <laughs> she's interesting, too. I think she also, like, you know, encourages me to... I mean, she she's, she's awesome because she just, like, encourages... She encourages me, and she always gives me hope. And even when I thought I, like, made the biggest mistake of my life, which was, like, getting knocked up. Like, my second year of school, like, traveling across the country and getting knocked up and having to come home. Like, my mom still loved me through that situation. That was, like, one of the hardest things I think I had to experience. So, <clears throat> she's super awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, she's dope. Yeah. Um, go mom. Yeah. You want to just follow her around. I want to be following her around a 67-year-old woman. And she's, like, she has, she's working a full-time job right now, too. It's crazy. I'm like, what? How do you do this? So that's where your hustle comes from. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah, she just goes. Yeah. She just keeps going. But yeah. Gabby's Instagram and Twitter are at gift of gab. That's G Y F T O F G A B B. You can find her op-ed about the gentrification of five points on denverite.com, which is D-E-N-V-E-R-I-T-E.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Chinguana Podcast. Please visit our website, chinguanapodcast.com. We are working on revamping it, so our current site doesn't have any updates from this season, but we'll let you know when the new site drops. The music from today's episode can be found on Free Music Archive, which will be linked in the description. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Mwah.